Durain Davis's anatomy class. And we found out that anatomy was the study of the structure of organisms, its parts. And I'm glad I took that class. Um, Mr. Davis was a good teacher and a good man, still is. And I uh, was glad to get to know him and, and, and be a part of his, uh, of his anatomy class. And I remember the first week that, um, that we were in class, we dissected a worm. And we took that worm, cut that sucker in, in two, and we began looking at all the parts inside that earthworm, figuring out what each thing did and what its purpose was. And then a little later on, we did a frog. And then the second semester, we moved up, graduated to a cat. And uh, we spent pretty much the whole second semester talking about what makes a cat do what a cat does. And so it was all pretty cool. I really enjoyed that class. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. That's been a long time ago. That's been um, 24 years ago now. Um, Brother, can you believe that? 20, <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even seem right. I'm telling you, time uh, sure flies when you're having fun. And it's, it's flew by for me. That, that, that's, there's no doubt about it. But, so I don't remember a whole lot of what I learned in Mr. Davis's anatomy class concerning that worm and that frog and that cat. I, I've lost a lot of that along the way. I, I don't deal much anymore with worms, frogs, or cats. I hadn't been around them a whole lot in the last 24 years. But this morning, I do want to talk to you about something we do deal with every day. We're not going to discuss the anatomy of those things, but I do want to discuss with you the anatomy of temptation. Because how many of you know we all still deal with temptation on the daily? I mean, uh, it, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, month by month, week by week, year by year, we deal with temptation throughout our lives each and every one of us. And so today, I want us to look at the anatomy of temptation, what it is, what it does, what its purpose is, and what we need to do about it. And this morning, we're going to be looking in the book of James chapter number 1, verses 13 through verse number 15. So take your Bibles, turn there with me, and let's read starting in verse number 13. The Bible says this, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Does everybody see that? Let's go on now. Let's look at the next verse. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then he tells us, verse 15, Then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death we got to get a hold of that right there, man. That's powerful. Then he says in verse 16, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for your presence in this place this morning. Thank you for these people that have made the decision to come worship you. And I'm asking, Lord, that you would speak to hearts and change lives today like only you are capable of doing. Lord, we're praying that you comfort where comfort is needed. You convict where conviction is needed. I don't know what we need, but Lord, you know exactly what we need. You know us better than we know us. And so, Lord, I'm praying right now, Holy Spirit, that you would do the work in the hearts and lives of men, women, boys, and girls in this place and those who are watching uh, these services over the internet. Lord, have your way, have your will, do your work in your church. Father God, we're praying today that you would be glorified in everything that happens. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, 
In the book of James, chapter number 1, James talks to us a whole lot about temptation. I mean, pretty much the whole first chapter of the book of James deals with the word temptation. But we must understand that James talks about temptation in two different senses. This word, the way James uses, uses it, has two different implications. First of all, he uses temptations in James chapter 1, the first four verses. We looked at this a few weeks ago. And the word temptation there actually means trials. Talk to, he's talking about trials that are sent to strengthen our faith. Let's read that. Verse number 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or trials is what he's talking about there. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have her perfect worth, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So what James, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is telling us is that many times in our lives, God can send or at least allows trials to come into our lives so that our, our faith might be strengthened. I believe that trials are faith food for the believer. And so we see James makes that very clear in those first four verses. Trials are sent to strengthen us many times. But then there's another way he uses the word temptation in verses 13 through 15. Now 13 through 15, the word here differs greatly than in James 1, 1 through 4. In 13 through 15, what it actually means is a solicitation by Satan to sin. Everybody get a hold of that. It's Satan soliciting us to do what's displeasing unto the Lord. Let's see what he says there. Verse number uh, 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So according to verse number 13, the word temptation that's used there in those verses, listen, is not God sending things to help us, but Satan sending things to hurt us. Temptation in this sense is not for our strengthening, strengthening but for to make us weak. It's not so that we might be helped, so that we might be hindered. Listen, it's not so that we might learn to stand, but temptation in this sense is to cause us to stumble. Are you getting a hold of this? Are you seeing what God's Word is telling you this morning? And I want to tell you something. If there's ever been a message that you need to dial into, you need to dial into this one this morning. Let me tell you why. Because Satan himself has a plan to sabotage your life. He does. Listen what Jesus said. Jesus said this. He said that the thief, meaning Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you believe it, say amen. You better believe it. That's what Jesus tells us. That's what he warns us concerning Satan. He, he says that it, well, Satan comes to steal. What's he want to steal from you? Listen, God has his best ready for you. Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? Do you believe God wants his best for you in your individual lives? Do you believe God wants his best for you in your marriage? Do you believe God wants his best for your kids? Do you believe God wants his best for your career? Absolutely that's true. I believe God wants to bless you. I believe God can bless you. I believe God views you as his adopted sons and daughters if you've placed your faith in Jesus. So God has his best ready for you. What Satan wants to do is steal God's best from you. 
What Satan wants to do is kill your witness, your own personal ministry. Do you know if you're a child of God this morning, and that's who this is written to in James chapter number 1, the children of God, that's why he calls them beloved brethren there in verse number 16. He tells them, don't err, beloved brethren. The beloved brethren are the born again. The beloved brethren are the blood bought. The beloved brethren are those who are a part of the body of Christ. And if you are a part of the body of Christ, I want you to know God's got his best but Satan wants to steal from you God's best. Satan wants to kill your individual witness and ministry. And Satan wants to destroy your very life. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your job. He wants to take God's best from you. If you believe it, say amen today. That's his plan for each and every one of us. He's been doing his work for a long time and he does it well. But James lets us in on some truth about temptation this morning that can help us to overcome the attack of the enemy. So there's three things that I want to give you this morning on the anatomy of temptation. First of all, I want you to see that temptation for the believer is an absolute occurrence for everybody, not just the believer. We need to see that right here in James chapter 1, there's an almighty assurance and then we're going to see, lastly, there's a, that there's an application to this truth that must be personal in, your, personal in your life. So let's look at this first thing. What do I mean when I say that temptation is an absolute occurrence? Look at verse number 13. The Bible says, let no man say when. Everybody say when. Let no man say when he is tempted. Now the Bible doesn't say if we are tempted, the Bible says when we are tempted. So that tells me that there's going to come a time in my life as a believer, as a child of God, when I am going to face temptation. You say, no, now wait a minute, Brother Israel, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm blood-bought, I'm born again, I'm inside the body of Christ. Folks, if Satan tempted Jesus himself, don't you think he'll tempt you? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 15 that Jesus being our high priest was tempted in all points just like we are. If Satan tempted Jesus, and I read in the word of God that he tempted Paul, and that he, I read in the word of God he tempted Peter and Timothy and James and John and all of those great men of God, if he tempted them, don't you think he'll tempt us? Don't you think he'll try to cause us to stumble and fall just like he's caused all the great men and women of God in the past to stumble and fall? Absolutely will. Just because you're a Christian does not make you immune from temptation, but I would argue on the other side of that that it makes you more susceptible to temptation. I believe that with everything in me. I believe that whenever you place your trust in Jesus as Savior, the Bible teaches you become the friend of God. The Bible says Abraham believed God, God counted it unto him for righteousness, and God considered Abraham his friend. Now all of us who've placed our trust in the Lord and believed on him for salvation, for the forgiveness of sin, I believe also we become God's friend. We go from being against God to being with God, for God, friends with God. Can you say amen? We go from being a rebel to being righteous. 
from being a sinner to being a son. And I want to tell you something. The moment you became a friend of God, in that moment, you became a direct enemy of Satan himself. And so if there is anybody that's going to be susceptible to temptation, it is the child of God. Satan will come at you like never before when you have trusted in Jesus. So we got to be ready for these attacks. we got to know what temptation is, what temptation does, and what we need to do about it. I heard a story one time about a pastor who was bivocational, and he had a very ungodly boss that he worked for. His boss was not a Christian. And the pastor, throughout his workday, many times would just comment on the fact that Satan had been after him. Let me ask you something, child of God. Does Satan ever get after you? Does he ever tempt you? Does he ever draw you away from the things of God? Absolutely does me too. Well, that was the same thing that was happening uh, with the pastor in my story. And, and he had been telling his boss a lot about what was happening in his life and, and how Satan had really been on his case. And so him and his boss one early one Saturday morning went out duck hunting. And while they were out there duck hunting, uh, the boss wrenched up and, and shot a duck and it failed. And he, right after he had shot the duck, um, he looked over at, at his employee, the pastor, and he said, you know, you're a really strange guy. You're a strange preacher. He said, you're always talking about how Satan's on your case, how you're being tempted by the Lord, and, and how that uh, you, you don't know why that's happening, and this and that. He said, well, I've never claimed to know Jesus. I've never claimed to be a Christian. I'm not a Christian. I've not trusted in Christ, and Satan never comes against me. I don't ever feel like I'm running against Satan or running head-to-head -head with Satan. You know what the pastor told him? He said, look out there at that, at that duck that, that you just shot. He said, let's just say we both shot two ducks. And one of them was out there flopping. And one of them was dead the moment it was shot. He said, which one would you go after first? He said, well, I would go after one that was still flopping. He said, that's exactly right because there's signs of life there. Satan is not coming after those who've not trusted in, in Jesus because they're already dead. They're still dead in trespasses and sins. But for those who have been made alive by the power of God, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So you need to understand if you are a believer... Temptation will be an absolute occurrence in your life. Not only do I want you to see that temptation is an absolute occurrence, but you also need to see there's an almighty assurance. Let me tell you what I'm saying. Look down with me at verse number 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So James lets us in on two truths about the character, the nature of God. He says, first of all, God can't be tempted with evil. Let me tell you why, because God is light. Temptation produces darkness, sin. And listen to me now, darkness cannot dwell in the same place as light. If God is complete light, no darkness can be in him. Can you say amen? We talked about this a little bit Wednesday night. But I want you to know that all in the world sin is, is the absence of light. That's what darkness is. The absence of light. And so the Bible says God being light, 
cannot be tempted with evil. Now, let me, let, me, let me say something else. How would you be able to tempt God anyway? God's got it all. <laughs> the Bible says the heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool. What could I have? What could Satan have? What could any created being have that would tempt God who, listen to me now, has the earth itself and the fullness thereof? He's got everything. He's got it all. God cannot be tempted and God will not tempt any man. Why? Because that's counterproductive to his purpose to begin with. His purpose in sending his son was so that men, women, boys, and girls might be born again into the family of God and become like Jesus. Amen? His purpose is for us to now be lots in the world. So for God to tempt us with evil, that would be counterproductive to the purpose of sending Jesus in the first place. We've got to get a hold of those two things. You, because I want, to, I want to let you in on something. Since the beginning of man, man has been trying to blame God for their sin. Do you know that? And it, listen, it happened in the garden and it's still happening today. Go back with me to Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at one verse. Genesis 3 and verse number 12. It seems to me in the word of God and in everyday life, men and women, boys and girls, mankind in general are always trying to pass the buck concerning sin. And that's what Adam does. Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 12. Adam says this, and he says, Certainly... I will be with thee, and this shall be a token. I'm in Exodus chapter 3. Y'all was wondering what was going on, wouldn't you? I was too. Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at verse number 12. Listen to this. And the man said, The woman that thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. So Adam's been caught up with. The Bible says God came searching for Adam in the cool of the day, and he was about to deal with Adam's disobedience. He was about to deal with Adam's sin. And when God himself starts confronting Adam about his choice to disobey God's law, which, how many know that is sin? The Bible says in the book of 1 John that transgression of the law is sin. And so God gave Adam and Eve one law. God gave Adam and Eve one command to not partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But when they chose to fall, not really fall, but jump after the temptation that Satan put in front of them. How I many know oh, you really don't fall into temptation? You jump into it. The, the truth is, nobody falls into fornication. You jump into it. Nobody falls into addiction. You jump into it. Thank you, buddy. N nobody falls into adultery. You jump into those things. You make a conscious decision to disobey God. Now, does Satan tempt us? Absolutely, just like he tempted Adam and Eve. But when he does, we can't blame God for it. Adam says, Lord, it really wasn't me, that woman that you gave me. If I'm reading Genesis 3.12 right, Adam is actually trying to blame God for his wrong. 
his own wrong, his own sin. And that still happens today. I grow very weary of these people who always want to use their past to justify their sinful actions in the present. Now listen to me. Please don't misunderstand me what I'm fixing to say. Our past certainly impacts our present and future. No doubt about it. But you still have personal responsibility for what you choose to do and don't do. Is generational curse, is, is, that a, is a generational curse, is that a real thing? Absolutely. But the generational curse can only be upon you in the present if you allow it as a child of God. Just because your mother, your father, your grandma, your grandpa, just because they did things years ago does not mean you have to live that way today. Now, by the power of God, by the person of the Holy Spirit, you can be set free from sin. And by His power, you can live a life pleasing unto God. Let's quit blaming our present circumstance on past failure of someone else. Let's quit blaming our present sin on environment. The truth is, the buck stops with me when it comes to sin in my life, when it comes to jumping into temptation. There's an old comedian that many of you probably remember. I've watched several of his old uh, reruns. You may remember Flip Wilson. Do you remember Flip Wilson's famous, famous words, what he always said? The devil made me do it? No. The devil has made you do nothing. Child of God, the devil has no power over you. If you resist the devil, he's got to flee. The problem is, many times we don't resist the devil because we like our sin. Are you getting me? So he says, God does not tempt anybody and he can't be tempted. We cannot blame our temptation on the Lord. We can't blame our jumping into temptation on the Lord. But now this is my last and final point that I really want to get to, and this is the most important one. You've got to get a hold of this if you're going to overcome the temptation that you face on the daily. Now listen, you need to apply God's truth to your life, and James gives us some good truth here. This application, though, must be personal. I tell people all the time, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Amen? My grandpa used to say that to me, and man, I always wondered what he meant by that when I was a little boy. Now I know full well from my own experiences. Somebody can tell me over and over and over and over again, but until I choose to actually apply the truth that I've heard, then it's not going to change my life. This application must be personal for me and personal for you if we're going to overcome the temptation we face. You don't just need to hear God's word. That's good. Hear it. Absolutely. Be inspired by it. Be motivated by it. 
had a man tell me the other day, and it really kind of made me a little bit mad. He said, you are a great motivational speaker. I hope and pray that it's more than that. I'm not trying to just come in here and have a pep rally and get you fired up. I want to go out of here and live lives that are pleasing to God. If, if what's happening in this place is not making a difference at my home and it's not making a difference at my workplace and it's not making a difference at the grocery store, it's not making a difference in the decisions and choices I make outside of this place, then did it really matter what happened in this place? No, it didn't. If it don't change my life, if I'm not growing from glory to glory, be motivated, yes, hear God's word, but now listen, apply God's word, heed it, take it to you, and, and listen, do what it says. Live by faith and act like God's telling the truth. It makes all the difference, I'm telling you. There's got to be personal application in this. James gives us three or four words here. Man, I think are so very powerful. This has helped me as much as anything else. Look what it says there in verse number 14. But every man, every man, not some men or most men or a lot of men. See, a lot of people think, man, I wish I was a pastor. Or that, I wish I was a, a missionary. I wish I was an evangelist. I wish I was a teacher of the Word of God. I wish I was all this stuff because they think pastors and teachers and missionaries and people like that, that they don't have any problem with temptation. Every man deals with temptation. I care who you are. We all do. Any pastor who tells you he doesn't is lying to you. Because we're just men. Sons of God, yes, but we're men in the flesh. Imperfect. Perfectly purposing to do what God wants, but realizing we need God's grace and mercy daily. We all got hang-ups and problems, and we all dealing with stuff. Right? All of us. All of us. So he says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away. That's the first thing I want you to see, the word drawn. The word drawn speaks of interest. You're never going to be tempted if you are not somewhat interested in the bait that's being dangled before you. Satan knows the bait you like. Amen? You may tell you why. He's watched some film on you. I remember when... I was playing football years ago. That's been a long time ago too. But I remember up back years ago, every Wednesday evening and Thursday evening, we would all gather in the field house and we'd watch film for two evenings getting ready for Friday's football game. And what we were doing was trying to get a game plan together, trying to see what the enemy was going to do on the battlefield. We wanted to know what he was doing so we'd know what we needed to do. Now, I want to tell you something. It's good for us to take a look at some film on Satan. That's what we're doing this morning in the Word of God. But you better bet Satan has taken some film on you. He's watched you. He's got you planned out. He knows your weakness. Like I said, he's been doing his wicked work for a long time and he does it well. So he knows where your weaknesses are. 
If you remember when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, the Bible says he had fasted for 40 days. And the moment Satan came on the scene, what did he tempt Jesus with? If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Well, if this brother has been in the wilderness for 40 days and not eaten nothing, not eaten one thing, you know he would love to have some bread. He came at Jesus at his weakest moment with that thing he wanted most at that time. So the question is, what's your bread? My bread, my interests may be different from your interests, but we've all got stuff that we deal with. I did some study this week. Some people are tempted in a sexual way. No doubt about this. Do you know that pornography is affecting about 8% of the population of the United States of America? You say, well, brothers, well, that's not really that bad. 8%? That's 25 million people who have admitted an addiction to pornography. There are more pornographic websites on the internet now than ever before. Sex is being sold in every way possible. You can't even look at a pizza commercial, a frozen pizza commercial on TV without some kind of sexual connotation being thrown in there with it. It's plastered everywhere. Do you realize that 52% of marriages today are failing and the number one cause for divorce is infidelity? Adultery. Many people deal with a real sexual temptation. Do you know the number two cause for divorce today? Is finances. Some people deal with the temptation in a sexual nature, but now listen, some people deal with a, a, a materialism. They're, they're, they're tempted by that which is material. And it's no... Um, no uh, surprise to me that Satan would attack the family with these two things. Why? He knows our weakness. And if he can destroy the family, he can destroy the foundation. If he can destroy the foundation, he can destroy the nation. Are you hearing me? So we all face some type of of temptation. Really what Satan does is he takes godly desires, twists them, and tempts you in a way that would make those desires ungodly. Let, let's just take a few of them. How do you know God gave you the desire to eat when you're hungry? But let me tell you what Satan does. He takes that desire for food, twists and turns it, and turns it into gluttony to please the flesh. God has given us a desire for drink. But Satan can and does take that desire, that thirst that was God-given, twists it and turns it, and, and listen, causes us to fall into to, uh, drunkenness. God has given us a desire to have a sexual relationship inside the bonds of marriage. That's how God set it up. But Satan takes that, twists it and turns it, it takes that God-given desire to fornication and adultery, pornography. That's how Satan operates. 
And he uses our interest to draw us away. The word drawn there is a Greek word that actually speaks of the bait fishermen use to catch fish. That, that is such a clear picture for me because I love to fish. I'm not going to use something the fish don't like. I'm going to find out what they're biting, and I'm going to try to draw them away out from under that log or that uh, lily pad or that uh, clump of grass or whatever that fish is holding to. I'm going to do my best to put a bait out there so that he might bite the bait and get the hook. There's a reason prostitutes are called hookers. Bait's out there. People go for the bait, they get the hook. The truth is, Satan knows how to put that enticement there. That, and he draws us according to our interest. The next word that I want to talk to you about is the word enticed. The Bible says we're drawn away of our own lust and enticed. This word speaks of idea. When you are enticed, I believe it's at that moment you start forming the idea of doing whatever it is you're being drawn by Satan to do. That's why it's so important that we, listen, clean up our thought life. That's why the Bible says, Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8, if there be anything good, if there be anything honest, if there be anything of good report, think on these things. Where do we find good and honest and lovely things? We find those things in the Word of God. So what Paul is telling us in Philippians 4 and 8, write that verse down, go back and get a hold of it for yourself. But what he's saying is, make sure that you continually fill your mind with the truth of the Word of God. If you don't, then it's going to be very, very hard for you to combat the temptation you're faced with. Jesus fought temptation with God's word. If you remember, Satan came to him and what did he say? If these stones be made bread, then if you be the son of God, make these stones bread. What Jesus says, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let me tell you what Jesus is doing. He's quoting back to Satan scripture. You got to get this word in you. And you do that daily. That's why I keep telling you, it's so vitally important that you're in services just like this. It's so vitally important that you're in Sunday school. We're going to start Sunday school up in about two more weeks. I can't wait for that. That is a very useful tool for us to grow in Christ. That's why you need to be in Wednesday night Bible study. That's why you need to take part in small group lessons. All of that is important because you're getting truth of the Word of God. You're filling mind, your mind with the good things. And the Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. Dwell on those good things. Dwell on the good things and kick out the bad things. The Bible says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 4 that we're to take every thought captive. Do you know, do you know, that you have control over your thought life. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been sitting in a service like this and from, for whatever reason, some ungodly thought pops in your head? That ever happened to you? 
Let me tell you what I believe that is. I believe that is one of those fiery darts of the wicked one. I believe he's trying to put those thoughts in your mind so that you will not be attentive to what God is doing, to what God has said. Now, Dr. David Jeremiah is one of my favorite preachers. I love that brother. He's been such a blessing to me. I'm so thankful for his ministry. David Jeremiah said this. He said, I cannot keep thoughts from entering my mind no more than I can keep birds from flying around my head. That's good stuff. He's right. All of us will face temptation. Some of it, most of it, I'm just going to go ahead and say all of it starts with your thought patterns, what you think on. The battlefield truly is in the mind. He says, I can't keep these bad thoughts from entering my mind no more than I can keep birds from flying around my head. He said, but what I can do is keep those birds from making a nest in my hair. What he's saying is, I'm not going to dwell on that stuff. I'm going to take every thought captive. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to ask God to deliver me from it. I'm going to take God's word and start filling my mind with God's truth. So that we won't be drawn away and enticed. Amen? And then the third thing that you need to see here is not just the interest in the idea, but the incident itself and what it brings. Look down at verse number 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, watch this now, brings forth death. Now that death speaks of a lot of things. Sin brought about by temptation can certainly bring physical death. It can also bring death to relationships, death to ministries, death to churches. Temptation causes sin. Sin causes death. When you are drawn away by your interest, when you are enticed and it becomes an idea, not long after that, there's going to be an incident. Realize Satan's game plan and act accordingly. And let me leave you with what James leaves us with in verse number 16. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Fill your mind with the word of God. Ask God to do what only God can do to empower you to help you each and every day. Stick close with Jesus, resist the devil, and the Bible says he has to flee. Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. James 4, 6 through 8. I'm telling you, folks, you can overcome the temptation you face with God's help. If you're here this morning and you're a child of God, praise the Lord for that. If you've not yet been born again into God's family, the Bible says the same Jesus who has saved me can and will save you, and today is the day of salvation. If you need to be saved, you come this today during this time of invitation. Hey, listen, if you just need to pray about things that are going on in your life, some of the stuff you face, we've all got stuff. We all have things in our lives that we struggle with, each and every one of us. I'm telling you something. God is able by his power to help you overcome. He will by his power help you overcome whatever temptation you face.
Let me pray for you. Brother, then come with the song of invitation. You'll be closing these services. Father God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for who you are, for what you've done. We ask, Lord, today that we take these, this uh, word that you've given us and we make personal application to our lives. Help us, Lord, to overcome the temptation that we will face each and every day. And Lord, by your power, Holy Spirit, by your work in our lives, help us to be the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to stand together. This truth that James, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us is certainly relevant for the world that we live in. What calls a man to put his knee on the neck of another man just because he can and cause his death? I think that all goes back to the sin of pride. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 3 that a man should not think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Really what Paul is saying by inspiration of the Holy Spirit is we don't need to get too big for our britches because when we get prideful, a fall is coming soon thereafter. So I think that sin of pride is a sin that we are all tempted with to some degree is what caused what we saw last week. Let me, let me ask you this. Well, what would cause people to be angry to the point that they would go out and unlawfully destroy other people's property? It's anger at the wrong ones at the wrong time that turns into vengeance. And the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Though I believe in peaceful protest, absolutely, that's one of the founding principles of our nation. Praise God for it. I don't believe in lawless acts of disorder that causes loss of property and life. But all of that is caused by sin. And I'm so glad, so glad, Jesus forgives sin. I'm so glad Jesus makes all the difference. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. If our world, our nation, is going to be fixed, it's going to take the power of God. It's going to take the person of the Lord Jesus Christ to truly fix it. And we know ultimately that day is coming. We, we know that. The, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. <laughs> we get a hold of that. We know that. But I, I'm praying for a Holy Spirit fire of revival that sweeps across our nation. And I ask you to do the same thing. Amen? So if you ain't got nothing else to pray for, pray for our nation this morning. As we're sitting here today, cities are burning. 
Our world is in turmoil. We need God's help more than ever. This invitation is for you. Whatever you need, you come.